Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, a podcast from the independent on everything to do with love, sexuality, identity and more. This week I am very excited to be joined by author and journalist Bolu Babalola, whose new book Love in Colour is a selection of ancient love myths that she has rewritten to make them contemporary and diverse. There's a real feminist thread running through all of the stories which focus on women who don't have to rely on men to save them, as is the traditional narrative in romantic folklore. It's a response to Bolu's growing up and seeing a lack of black love stories and black characters in the rom-coms and love stories in the mainstream. Enjoy the show. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm doing okay. How have you been finding lockdown? I mean, we're not really in lockdown so much anymore, but, you know, how have you been finding... General, um, general lockdown. It's funny because, um, you know, I'm a writer and I've been in book mode for the past few months, even before lockdown. So I've been doing lockdown. So um, I went to LA for like a few weeks for my birthday and work in February. Came back in um, first week of March. Then it was lockdown, but I was editing my book anyway. So I would have been in lockdown anyway. So I guess it's affected me in, in the fact that I haven't had the option to go out and meet my friends. But ultimately, it didn't really affect my, my life that much, you know, apart from the whole weirdness of a global pandemic, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know the feeling. I'm, um, I'm also writing at the moment. So it's um, mm. it's kind of a gift in a way because it's like well I would have to be isolating anyway so exactly uh, it's quite it's quite handy um I want to ask you call yourself a rom commissaire is that how I say yeah. that properly yeah okay yeah, I guess tell tell me about that what do you mean by that um I love rom coms and I can select a rom-com that's for your needs whatever you want whatever you're in the mood for I've probably got one ready for you in your mind don't test me on that because that's a lot of pressure but um generally that's what it is and I think um yeah I can break them down I can break down the genre of rom-coms I know the exact kind of rom-com protagonists um the the tropes everything um it's really just like my area of expertise I probably shouldn't really say that because that is a lot of pressure but as far as things I'm good at I think that's the thing that I'm you know good at the most interesting I I love rom-coms I think the term itself actually can sometimes sound a bit derogatory can't it like it sounds like the the term it's like it's kind of been misused a bit what is what are your some of your favorite rom-coms and and why are they your favorites um, when Harry Met Sally, uh, oh, Brown yeah. Sugar, because I love Brown Sugar and When Harry Met Sally because they're very similar kind of films and um, they're friendship-based rom-coms. I love um, uh, My Best Friend's Wedding, even though it's kind of like an anti-rom-com because Jules is like such a anti-hero, like she's a mess, but I love her. And the thing is, they are in love. They just, they're so scared to, to approach it and they're scared to confront themselves about them especially my about it especially michael 
Um, but I love that. I love that movie. Um, oh gosh, there's so many. I don't even know where to start. I love TV rom coms as well, especially in recent years because rom coms on the big screen have te- kind of taken a dip. So I've you know looked for them in things that I couldn't see on television. So New Girl, uh, Love Sick, uh, Catastrophe, um, Insecure, shows like that. Catastrophe, I'm such a fan of. I love the ones that are like, they're just messy and realistic and they just show all of the, you know, messiness of real relationships. Like, I think, I mean, I I love When Harry Met Sally as well, but the thing that annoys me about that film is that it has such a, it's such a predictable ending. And, but I still love the film, but I kind of, the rom-coms I find myself more drawn towards are the ones where it's not, the happy ending and they don't end up together and there's a reason mm. for that and it's it's very clear I think that's but that that can still be romantic I think sometimes still be romantic and I don't even mind the predictable the predictability of rom-coms that have happy ending because for me rom-coms are formulaic and that's fine I don't think I think people say that as a as a derogatory thing or something that's a negative about it but I don't think that's bad at all the thing is it just triggers you to be more creative with it and it's all about the journey and the obstacles and some and most times the most obstacles are internal it's about fear it's about fear of being exposed it's about fear of being honest with ourselves um and I just love a good happy ending that's why in my book all all the stories have well yeah most of the stories have happy endings if not open-ended ended endings in which you can infer a happy ending so yes so I want to ask you about the book so love in color so it's such a necessary and important book kind of reimagining folklore I suppose um, and myths about romance so can you tell the listeners a bit about um, what inspired you to write this book and basically explain what it's about for those who might not know um So what inspired me to write this book? I think, you know, we're used to seeing stories like Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. And we assume that fairy tales uh, come in this form, this Disney-fied form and and it's for white people and it's for women who are um, white and skinny and fulfill this kind of societal idea of beauty. And also in these stories, uh, the women are kind of waiting to to for a man to save them and I just realized that maybe the reason why part of seeing black people and people of color humanize also seeing them have access to love on the mainstream since love is really what binds us as humanity and I feel like um locking marginalized communities out of that in terms of representation media is really really insidious way of um, dehumanizing us and also just people don't notice it as well they grow up with fairy tales grow up with um, movies and think okay this is what love is and this is how love should be and this is what I expect love to be like and um, we are never part of the of the of the narrative um, so part of it was like it wasn't as if I wanted to combat it because when I write I'm naturally going to write about black people but it was something that I just wanted to highlight in this collection and also in during this collection I really learned so much about so many different cultures including my own um and just discovered like Africa for instance I mean I knew it before but it really honed in how Africa is like its own entire universe so many different cultures so many different languages and it's so beautiful and it's something that we've just been barred from um in the mainstream 
It's so interesting, isn't it? Because with fairy tales and with Disney films, obviously, you know, for a lot of millennials, those are the love stories that we grew up watching and reading. And I think, like you said, it's so important to be able to see yourself represented in those stories because otherwise it's like, oh, well, I don't look like that. I don't have a body like Mm. that. And Mm. those are the kind of people that are worthy of love. Those are the people that, you know, fall in love and have these amazing stories and I won't have that unless I look like that it really it's quite subconscious but I think it really shapes your understanding of romance as you grow up doesn't it yeah it really does um especially as a black woman especially as a dark-skinned black woman because then within that you have colorism and then you have um light-skinned women seen as more desirable desirable because of their proximity their seeming proximity to whiteness um so yeah, all these things play a factor in how we see ourselves and how society sees us as well. And though we don't want to define ourselves in comparison to whiteness, it's important to just highlight our own stories and our own narratives and amplify them. Can I ask what you make of some of the more recent um, Disney films that, that have incorporated princesses and princesses of colour and they're not they're not just the white heroines that we kind of grew up seeing do you think that's kind of like a do you find it tokenistic or do you think it's it's worthy and that's exactly you know how it should be done I don't think it's tokenistic because naturally they'll start making um I think it's good that they're doing that but you know Princess and the Frog she was frog for like most of the movie so um, I mean, it's okay, but I just feel like we need to just generally diversify how we see romance in on the lands in the landscape. I want to ask about one of your um, newer stories in the book um, that I really loved, mm. called um, Orin, and mm. um, it's all about really, really awful dates, which I'm sure is something mm. that a lot of our listeners can resonate with, um, and I certainly um, it certainly resonated with me. Can you tell me a bit about what um, drove you to write that story? Was it inspired by some of your own bad dates? Orin is like my favorite story I shouldn't really even say what my favorite story is but it is because it's me (laughs) Orin is like basically me like you know obviously fictionalized a little bit but yeah and Deji is like the kind of guy that I'll go for or do go for um yeah and (laughs) a bad day is absolutely based on one of my bad days I just really hope he doesn't listen to this podcast or read the story um can you you explain what the story is about for this for listeners yeah So this girl is on a bad date at a spoken word live music event. It's like spectacularly awful dates. And there is a guy also at this event and he's noticing her bad day and kind of taking pleasure. He's entertained by it, I should say. Meanwhile, uh, it turns out that he is also on a date. That's not exactly going well either. Um, And to kind of throughout the story kind of, take the piss out of each other for their terrible dates and eventually they end up bonding over it and realizing that they click and um organically so it's just about how you know love isn't always linear romance isn't always linear you never know when you're going to meet somebody and also I just like the fact that it's so organic and I'm I love that feeling of meeting someone and just that initial spark and all of the stories have their own little illustrations underneath the title and their illustration is just like sparks because that's really what the story is about. I think particularly now it's lovely to read stories about organic romance like you said because now in the world of dating apps love is kind of like a commodity and it's, it's become 
almost sterilized and it's really like systematic exactly. you know you go on the it's app and you clinical. find someone it's very clinical and it totally strips away the spontaneity and the excitement of it and I know you you said recently in an interview that you don't use dating apps is that right yeah I don't use them <laughs> <laughs> when no. did you when did you make that decision have you ever used them or just you never it wasn't even a decision I tried them and like legit I actually feel sick whenever I use them I tried it once I think I talked to a few guys but it's just not me and there was so much freedom and I realized that oh it's just not compatible with who I am and that's okay because at first I thought like a weirdo I felt like a weirdo because everybody's using them but if just because it works for other people doesn't mean it works for you and I think people just need to realize that everybody has their own kind of preferences and how they like to meet someone and of course it would be way I'm sure it'd be way easier well actually I'm not sure but it might be way, way easier if I use apps but it just doesn't I just don't like it I just feel like it's so weird for me having to like almost perform and also you're both like there with there's this pressure of like, okay we're just we're both here to meet somebody and we just both like are hoping that we click rather than just meeting someone and like see if you click or like you don't it's just it's a different thing and also I'm a black woman and apps are hell for us it's such a minefield um there's studies saying that black women and asian east asian men are like the least desired on these apps um and yeah, and then even if you are desired, you have to navigate like maybe fetishization and things like that. So it's, yeah, it's a lot. I just can't be bothered with it. Yeah, I mean, I really, I don't blame you. I, I can't be bothered with it either. It's, for me, it's also just like you said, it's that, it's that kind of pressure to perform. And also just the way that it totally strips the dating experience of like any exactly. ambiguity. And that's the part of the fun, isn't it? Like when you meet someone and you, and you like them, yeah. and you're trying to figure out if they like you too. And that's what makes it exciting. Whereas if you're both on a dating app date, it's like, okay, so we know that we both are attracted to each other or we like something that the other person said in their profile. And now like, let's do this and see if it works. It's like, it's like a social experiment. It's just, it doesn't feel natural exactly. at all. Exactly. Um, but, you know, like you said, it does obviously work for some people. I mean, I have lots of friends that are in really good relationships and they met off dating apps. But Yeah, I know someone who married someone off of a dating app, but she was literally, she wanted to get married. <laughs> she kind of like literally like, you know, when someone just approaches something with a plan. And so it's fine for that because she was like, okay, this is what exactly what I want to do. But for me, it's just, yeah, it's not compatible <laughs> with who I am. Um, you said in an interview recently that uh, you think love and romance are kind of seen as like innately feminine uh, mm. concepts. Um, do you mean that in terms of popular culture or more generally? Um, pop culture, but also generally, but pop culture is kind of generally anyway. Like, I think a lot of men don't want to be seen as loving romance or liking romance or what seeking, actively seeking romance because it's seen as soft and soft is seen as weak and also romance isn't just soft it can be really steely and really hard and really kind of it's a really kind of galvanizing strong thing but it can all be soft at the same time and I think people just can't coalesce the two in their mind and think that softness just naturally equates to weakness hmm. yeah it's interesting that isn't it because when when I read that quote from you, I was quite struck by it because I never really thought about it like that. But you're right, and it's almost whenever a a man expresses uh, something, you know, a positive view about rom coms, for example, it's almost like seen as an effeminate comment, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's so weird. 
because romance is such a universal thing like women aren't just doing it on their own like everybody is attracted to everybody like it's it's not something that is exclusive to us you know and we're not doing it on a yeah when it's not something that we're just going through by ourselves so it's a really strange it's a really strange phenomenon I think can I ask how you think the the myths perpetuated about romance by fairy tales and Disney films kind of shaped the way that you behave in relationships or previously behaved in relationships? Uh, it's going to sound really arrogant, but it honestly didn't. Like, it really didn't. Um, because, I, you know, my, there's a story based on my parents um, in the book and their relationship was one of based on friendship, friendship and equality. And so... Yes, it was nice to see, you know, the well, I don't know, the princess being swept by the prince, it didn't move me in any which way. I was like, okay, that's nice, but it wasn't really something that I sought after in relationships. What the thing that I sought after in relationships was friendship, ultimately. That was it. Um, obviously, it's nice. I think that um, whoever, if you're in a relationship, it's lovely to be cherished and you should be cherished and um you should be doted on but the thing that's most important for me is that connection and that spark um yeah which is like why Orin was such a, it's such a fun story for me because they have that yeah because I think for for a lot for longevity you know the most important thing with your partner is that you are genuinely best mates isn't it exactly exactly and that's so fun like I don't really think I can't think of anything hotter than just like laughing with someone laughing at the same thing and clicking over the same thing and just really enjoying each other's company and also being attracted to them it's just great yeah it's 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 hard to find all of those different aspects kind of need to be interwoven together because you know like you said it's it's easy to get on with someone as a friend but then you both have to have that mutual like sexual attraction as well exactly Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You, you tweet quite a lot about relationships and I wanted to pick you up on a few things that you said recently. Um, so I think last week, you wrote uh being attracted to men is so embarrassing the bar is so Mm. low we're like Mm. and when I talk he listens Mm. (laughs) now Mm. that really resonated with me because (laughs) I think that is so true and we are straight women are so quick to praise men when they show them the slightest Mm -hmm. sign of I don't know interest in what they have to say or you know they hold the door open for them or like anything tiny because you like you said the bar is literally so low and I don't think Mm. it's just about the way you act um 
you know, in, in the initial stages of a relationship, I think even sexually, the bar is so low, you know? Yeah. As soon as yeah. a guy does something generous, you're like, oh my God. Oh he's my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. tell me, tell me a bit about that and what inspired that tweet. Not really inspired because I was, no, because just inspired by the conversations that I have with my friends and also what I like about my guy like it's just the fact that it is a fact that he listens and also it just says the state of <laughs> straight men in general they don't listen they really don't so when a guy actually behaves like a normal person that's interested in you and looks you in the eye and is engaged with your interests and asks you questions and values the words that come up your mouth it seems like an incredible phenomenon even though it really shouldn't be because how many women in our lives do we know who do that you know um but yeah, it was just inspired generally by like conversations that I have with my friends because as soon as when they like a guy, that's one of the first things that they say. Why? Why do you think the bar is so low for straight men? Why is that? Is they because of the state their state of being? <laughs> because it's really hard to find somebody that listens genuinely. Um, so when you find someone, it seems like it's fine. Someone who does it, it seems like it's just in, this incredible special thing when really it's the least that we deserve the very very least that we deserve but I think it's just that men maybe we need to hold them to higher standards I don't know maybe they'll they'll rise up but part of me feels like we've been trying to do that for years and it hasn't happened yet so um another thing you said recently that I wanted to ask you about um was that you said the dating scene for black women in London is atrocious uh Mm -hmm. did you mean did you mean pre-lockdown, in lockdown, or just generally? And if so, oh, generally, why? Generally. generally. Why do you generally, think that is? Like, well, because of um, desirability politics and white supremacy. So black women are seen as the bottom of the pile, basically. Um, it goes from history when we were seen as white women were the pinnacle of femininity and black women were meant to be the antithesis of this. We were meant to be hyper-masculine, grotesque beastly and so those things are perpetuated in so many small ways it's why when we watch tv there's a, there's a dark-skinned black woman painted as aggressive we never see a black woman especially on british tv being cherished and loved and enjoying soft this soft romance and if she if we do i can almost guarantee it will not be um a dark-skinned black woman and i think the the most uh, the last show I remember on British TV showing a black, dark-skinned black woman in love was Noughts and Crosses. And Noughts and Crosses is literally about race and is about racism. And so that was a very conscious decision. Um, that was the point. But um, yeah, we just don't see that. And so that, that kind of thing perpetuates itself in society, colorism and racism. And so you're battling it from all sides. But yeah, it's really difficult. Yeah, I think you made a really interesting point there about Noughts and Crosses being one of the only shows to feature a dark-skinned black woman. And, it, and it, like you said, it's a show about race. Like that, obviously, you know, it's brilliant to have that representation, but at the same time, wouldn't it be so much better to have a dark-skinned black woman in a show that has absolutely nothing to do with race? And it's exactly, just... just a black woman being in love. And I, I love Noughts and Crosses. I grew up on it. Um, so it's like, it's more of the thing that, I want Norton Crosses to exist alongside um, other representations of um, black women being in love. And, and um, I mean, race will, 
is part of our existence. It's not the fact that I want to de-racialize our experience at all, like because I think that I hate seeing that on television. I think it's just false and paints yeah, paints a false narrative. It's the fact that yes, we are black, but race doesn't form um our entire existence. Um we live life regularly and we enjoy romance regularly. And yes, race is um, part of our experience, but in the totality of it. Can I ask if there are any shows or films you've seen recently where you have felt that the portrayal of romance on screen has been accurate and spoken to your own experiences? I mean, the thing is, the basic show I can think of is Insecure, and that's American, which is just a show about, you know, Black women and their friendships and their dating life and it's just regular and it's just normal and it's like yeah that's it otherwise no <laughs> that's why I'm writing my own it's mad we're in 2020 and it's I think people have this real uh people who maybe don't don't know that much what they're talking about but it's very easy to kind of look at the state of the world now and think we're so progressive we mm-hmm. we're so in that state now where you know everyone's equal and it's all fine and and it's like, it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, we've, yeah, seen that, exactly. you know, we've seen that this year, how much that isn't the truth. But it's, it's really, um, I think that's why it's so important, books like yours um, come out. And I mean, it's, it's, there are such brilliant stories. Can I ask, other than, Orin, other than Orin, what are some of your other favorite stories in the book? Um, I love Alagomedi, obviously, because that's about my parents. Mm. Um, I love ushering just because that's the very first story I wrote. And I was like, oh, I, that was the first story that I was like, oh, I can, I can do this. And it's also based on um, Yoruba mythology and I'm Yoruba. Um, what else? I love Cher because um, she's, such a, she's such a fun protagonist for me because she was so, she's so not what you would see as a soft protagonist, but ultimately she really is. And she gets pulled into love. And I really love Nalelli because that's such a, like, it reminds me of a high school movie. And that's one of the um, genres that I pulled on for that, for that story. And I just really loved that it was set in Los Sotho. And we never really see black high school movies like that ever that are kind of, like, nice and fluffy. Um, yeah, so I really loved that story as well. Yeah, so true. All of the kind of classic 90s high school films, like yeah. She's All That and exactly. uh, American Pie and stuff. Yeah, it's, um, I really liked Oshin, actually, you mentioned. There's a quote um, that I really enjoyed where uh, you write, Oshin was used to being looked at, but from this moment she was used to being seen. Mm. Um, what, what, what does that quote mean to you? Is that about, is there an element of, because um, to me I read that quote and I thought, are you talking about fetishization a bit in that, being looked a at? Bit. A bit, yeah, a, a tiny bit. Well, yes, because like black women are hyper visible and invisible at the same time so you're hyper visible which means that you're just you're you have all these images projected onto you um these things projected onto your identity that have nothing to do with you and so you're not really seen so the hyper visibility actually uh, obscures who you really are um and it's so powerful so just to be to be free within yourself and to be seen for yourself so yeah speaking that's speaking to kind of all black women that line Mm. and and also it reminds me of um I'm sure you've seen this film um set it up on Netflix yeah 
Yeah. Uh, and there's a line in the film. So it's about these um, two assistants working for these very powerful bosses. And, you know, the bosses kind of run them ragged. So their plan to like get them off their backs is to set them up with one another. And mm. one of the ways that one of their tactics, um, they tell the guy to say to the woman, I see you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and not, none of them really understand what that means, but, but it, it gets her hook, line and sinker, the fact that mm-hmm. she's told that she is seen. So what do you think this idea of being seen is so appealing? Because I feel like a lot of men date girls for the, they don't really see the women that they're dating a lot of the time. They're like, okay, she's pretty. I've dated guys who are like, oh, yeah, you know, you're good looking and you're smart and you're funny but they're not really engaging with those things they like they've liked the fact that I am those things they recognize it but they don't really see it or engage with it they just it's almost like a I think people think a reduced like trophy wife to like looks or something but it's actually not that sometimes women men will actually seek out smart women because they know it makes them look good to have a smart woman but they're not actually like engaging with it or actually like wow she's actually smart and enjoying that fact um, for, so to me, being seen as like somebody being actually like value, valuing you for who you are rather than just like seeing it as points for them. Like, oh, yeah, mm. I'm with this amazing person. Um, it's really possible for men to reduce your qualities into something that uh, puts them in a good light. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably exacerbated by dating app culture, isn't it? Because and by social exactly. media, because everyone is kind of on a dating app profile and on an Instagram profile, everyone is reduced to like a series of images exactly. or a series of metrics and right. you know, like your height and where you're from and what you do for a living and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And, and while those are things that, yes, of course, we judge a partner on those things before we end up hooking up with them, but it's so much deeper than that. Attraction is so much deeper than that. It should be about like physical spark in person. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, you know, one person could be your perfect type on paper, as they say in Love Island, but then, yeah. but then like, you have no spark. So exactly. That's why I got fatigued. Because I was just like writing my bio and I was just like, but this is not me. Like it's me, but it's not me. And I just like, yeah, it was just not enough for me. Yeah, no, me, me too. I mean, I find it really difficult to, to present yourself that mm. way. Um, and also, you know, there's the other thing where, and we've spoken about this on the podcast quite a lot, but Dating apps just require you to have such a solid understanding of the kind of person you're looking for. And I don't know yeah. if you can ever really pick someone who's going to be right for you just based on a profile. Because like you said, you know, you need to see how you get on in exactly. person. It's, um, exactly it's that. difficult. Um, okay, so it's time for our uh, lessons in love section of the show. So this is the part of the show where I ask every listener to, not every listener, every guest uh, to share something that they have learned from their previous relationship experiences. Um, so would you like to share your, your lesson in love? Um, yeah, nothing is linear. I think as a romance writer, I think that I can write somebody's lines for them, <laughs> predict them. And when they don't react in the way that I expected them to react and how they reacted may not necessarily be innately bad, it may be just true to them, just doesn't conform to what I expected. I used to think that that's a negative thing. Um, and so it would affect how I saw them, which was so unfair um, because you really can't control another person's actions. 
and sometimes someone is not in the right exactly the same space as you are and they may take a longer time to get to where you are so I think it's just expecting the journey to romance and the journey of romance to not be as easy as two plus two equals four and allowing the freedom for that and the space for that and also not being tied up when it isn't so straightforward and being upset and allowing yourself to be anxious when it when it isn't as easy as that because I really do truly think that if somebody's meant to be in your life they will be so I think you just relax and not try to force things to happen if they're not happening in the way that you want them to be yeah I actually think that's such an important thing um and it's actually really comforting to say that to yourself when when something Mm. isn't going right or if you're going through a breakup or whatever just to say everything is happening as it's supposed to happen you know everything happens for a reason if two people are meant to be together they will find their way back to one another it's just yeah it's how it works how how did you come to that realization when did you kind of have that Um, it was really recently um I was just because I was you know I was just trying to I was trying to write somebody's lines for them basically um and I was in doing that I was taking away their personhood and that person was a really really great is a really really great person and they were just working through things but because they weren't ready exactly the same time that I was ready I was almost demonizing that, demonizing them for it, which was wrong of me. Um, but, but in realizing that I was doing that, I was able to keep them in my life and also allow them the space. And now we're in a much better place than we were because I was like, oh, I'm trying to, I'm doing that thing where I'm trying to write my own romance when the reality is actually so much better and so much more interesting. And they're such an incredible person and I'm trying to push them into a box where they didn't fit in, um, which was so unfair of me. And also, it was unfair on them, and it was also unfair on me, because it was like, I was just suffering for no reason. Yeah. So this was a former partner who you've now become friends with? Um, <laughs> it's complicated. It always is. It always yeah. is complicated. Um, like you said, nothing, nothing is linear. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're a new listener to this show, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or anywhere else. You can comment and leave us a rating too so that more people can find us. Keep up with everything to do with the show on Instagram. Just search Millennial Love. See you soon. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.